Apple presents events at the Apple Store. How are you guys feeling tonight? You feeling good? Sweet. Well then, first, I'd like to invite you guys to take a look at the trailer for Step Up Revolution. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator from Entertainment Weekly, Melissa Maris, and tonight's guest, Adam Shankman. Hi, Hello. everybody. Thanks for coming out, and uh, thank you for being here. We really are excited about the movie. Any excuse to come to New York, I would literally, I'm here. So. <laughs> Um, so I was talking with some of my coworkers the other day, and one thing that we noticed about the whole Step Up series uh -huh. is that you've really kind of captured the zeitgeist a number of times. The first time with Channing Tatum, you yeah. know, that he yeah. it was the first time he was really a leading man. Yeah. The second time with Step Up 3D, which kind of anticipated the big 3D craze of 2010, a lot of other movies right after that. And now with this, even though it's coming a little bit afterward, when the posters first sh started showing up, it was at the same time as Occupy Miami. And yeah. there's like a lot of the same themes. I mean, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, it's a total accident. I mean, <laughs> you know, in terms of like the, the casting of it with, with Channing and Jenna Dewan, that was, that was just magic. And, you know, much like getting uh, Channing in the movie, he also lied about his dancing background, and and now has made a movie about his dancing background, which is <laughs> in 
fact, he was a stripper. Um, and then in this one, our lead in this one, Ryan Guzman was a cage fighter who also lied about his dance background. Um, and But he, they're just like magic on screen. And it was interesting, during the, the second and third one, the studio's mandate was really, we just want somebody who looks good on a poster, which I, I was like, "Real? what are you talking about? But that's really what they were going for. And I, on this one, I really insisted that we get somebody who can really act yeah. uh, again. And um, and Ryan, uh, he just happened to be a cage model, uh, uh, cage fighter slash underwear model. <laughs> so, you know, a what man of many better? careers. Um, <laughs> so everything worked out for everybody. But yeah, I mean, um, the Occupy thing happened after this. Um, and I'm actually very weirdly, mostly proud of this one um, because this is back to kind of what I do and I do it with my charity too it's about community and family and joy and heroism and courage and all of that so with mm -hmm. dancing <laughs> and there was also a real kind of controversy over the development of the waterfront in Miami yeah. uh, was that something that you were like playing off of here or? I, I think everything just like sort of fell into place when we yeah. decided to move it to Miami um, uh, just to get it honestly to give it an, an, a new flavor um, right. and because there is a lot of dancing that does happen you know Miami is like a party town so um, there's literally it reminds me a little bit of Vegas where everywhere you go there's just music playing it's all true. like up and you just don't even know where it's from it's everywhere and I so I you know it's not it wasn't too far weirdly it's just not that far-fetched yeah you know? and, and you were saying that Ryan Guzman was a, a cage fighter yeah. before this. How do you make a cage fighter into a dancer? How are the moves it's different? Him. It wasn't. We didn't. We didn't change anything for him. Like with Channing, we sculpted everything that he did to what he could do. By this time, now that we're on four, when Ryan came in, he literally had to learn everything that the choreographers threw at him. But he could. I don't know. He shouldn't be able to do what he does in this movie, and he does. He's uh, unbelievable. And how about were you worried that like Cage Fighter might not necessarily be a natural actor? Well, it all came it all came after the fact. He auditioned yeah. and he won the part. We had seen him uh, audition a number of times, and um, you know, I was actually more worried about Catherine McCormick, right, you know, right. because um, I remember even when she was on So You Think You Can Dance, she had a very very timid. I didn't ever hear her talk. She had a very tiny personality, and she's you know she's a fierce dancer. But I I when I saw her audition, I was pretty stunned because, like I said, I don't ever remember hearing her speak. Yeah, and do you think that that kind of was good for this role? I mean, she is kind of in the beginning. She comes into herself over the course of the film, but well, she's it's a little interesting. bit more I can meager. See, I can see in the movie her getting more comfortable being on camera. Like, yeah. I, I, I know the scenes where she was still a little tense, um, and she gets in there, but that's just because I know her and I was there and all of that. But... Um, she really came a long way. She really came a long way. But it, you know, for these kids, all they all they really do want to do is act and dance and yeah. have a great time. And these are great movies to cut your teeth on. So we're going to show a clip in just a little minute, but um, of the opening uh, of the movie. Can you talk a little bit about this beginning scene? I mean, were you actually filming on yeah, the streets of Miami? We, we shot Ocean Drive. I was I was absolutely positive there was no way we were going to get Ocean Drive and. Our director Scott Spear, who's so enthusiastic, was so excited. And, you know me. I, now I've been, I feel like I've been around the block. I've been doing this for 80 years now, so I'm just like, yeah, it's never gonna happen. <laughs> um, we 
got it the week before we were supposed to shoot it, but we had like almost no backup plan. We, you know, we were still scouting other streets in case, but this city of Miami was really, really good to us. So we did close down Ocean Drive uh, for three days, wow. which was crazy. And uh, now, by the way, if we were like a really big expensive movie, that wouldn't seem that weird. These are not expensive movies. The budgets are very, very tight and there is no going over in days and there is none of that. So, so the fact that we accomplished this was insane. And, but I will tell you that these days were over 100 degrees and the dancers on the cars had to be in, had to be wearing gloves and stuff like that because they were, it was literally like searing, searing yeah. and we, Beat the, beat the crap out of these poor kids. <laughs> Just another day at the office. <laughs> well, great. Can we can we show that clip? Very, very, very hot. Um, it was a nightmare. And did you have, um, I mean, you obviously closed off the area so that you could have this scene, but did you have people kind of on the periphery, like trying oh. to dance, trying to get in there, show you their moves? Okay, well, yeah, you can't close it down completely. That You yeah. just put up signs that say, you know, if you've seen filming in New York, you can't really shut down anything. The world continues, so you're just praying that... You know, I have plenty of movies that I've made where I see people in the crowd just staring into the camera because they were not, you know, <laughs> literally there's a shot in Wedding Planner that I can't even believe is in the movie where I, somebody goes just like this. <laughs> Through like a whole scene just looking dead into camera. And I didn't see it until after the movie was out, so whatever. Did you hire someone specifically to trick out those lowriders? Because that's one of the best. I don't think we got really into it here, but um, you yeah, can the, actually see the cars going the cars all the way all come up and down. We didn't know if that was going to work. And it worked. So, you know, that, that these movies are a lot of wing and a prayer. Is yeah. anyone falling off the cars while you're filming? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, God, everybody's injured in the whole thing. You know, I, I'm a, listen, I, I'm I, I, totally a dancer. And everything that I did, I was injured while I was doing it because that's just the nature of the beast. But like, I remember I danced on the Oscars back in 1933 um, <laughs> when I was young. Um, and... Uh, I had four broken toes and you just tape them up and you just go on. That's kind of the nature of it. What's the worst injury that you heard happening on set for this film? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I think, oh, Catherine got hit in the head once. I don't know. So it's you know, pretty okay. About, yeah, everything was pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just got hit in the head once. I don't know. By and a piece of equipment. And you guys also had, I think there's a real-life graffiti artist um, at the end of this scene who comes in and is really doing graffiti. So is that important to you to be able to get people who are actually, you know, figures in their you have fields? To. You actually have to in this yeah. because um, uh, the pool is just, you, you know, we, we don't have time to teach people how to do all these things, you know. So we, we go for <laughs> these movies, you go for as close to real as you can get. That's why we cast people who can actually do what they do. Like in the third one, we didn't realize that Rick could not dance as much as he really could not dance. And so he stuck a camera in his hand and made him a <laughs> filmmaker. But I, I mean, it, that's not how that story happened. It's just like, oh, okay, we have to deal with this now. You adapt. Yeah, there, and because there, we don't do doubling and all of that stuff. So. 
Right, right. Um, and the story in this one is is a lot clearer than the one in um, the third story. I mean, I, there's a real narrative here. And all three of them are kind of about class in, in some way. I mean, there's usually somebody yeah. who's more of a street dancer and somebody who's more of a schooled or came up within the system. But here it's really like a, a kind of Romeo and Juliet story or West Side Story kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I mean, the thing in the first one, we did had the same thing. But it, like Jenna's family wasn't that rich. She was just, you know, fine, you know, yeah. which is what we could find in Baltimore. I just actually, not to switch gears, but I just saw a great documentary called First Position about um, these ballet dancers, these young ballet dancers between like eight and 17 who are all competing in the Ballet Grand Prix, which is where all the heads of the companies go and they pull for internships and they get scholarships and all of that. And it's, it's a really intense thing, but it shows dancers from all different class and ethnicities, like, you know, a eight-year-old from Italy, and a this and that, and a rich girl from here who's with this crazy mother who's pushing her, and it's very dance moms. But the whole thing <laughs> is, but it, it's very, very, you, you know, it's just good for the story. You know, mm -hmm. just to, we, it's, it was never really intended that way, but it was just sort of the way it comes out, is that Catherine McCormick's father is gonna demolish a neighborhood to put up a resort where Ryan Guzman's families and friends live so um, on the Miami waterfront. So, you know, it's just, once again, it's just not that far-fetched, you know? But yeah. we don't go, we don't do the, like, in this one, we don't do, like, oh, the poor guy can't get with the rich girl kind of thing. We don't really hammer at that. Right. We, st we stay away from that cliche <laughs> as much well, as possible. In this first scene, there's a pretty great... Um, opening dance moment between them when they're first really meeting and connecting with each other. And he doesn't realize that she's the daughter of this big um, developer. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the intention when we were shooting this scene, and it, it, it's very, I'll tell you what's something that's very, very difficult with dancers uh, is that really good dancers, it's very hard to make them look like bad dancers. You know, you end up with this kind of like, this kind of thing, <laughs> you know, or like, it just it looks wrong on them. They don't like it. And so this was intended for her to be making fun of him, and she was trying to look not very good, and then suddenly she kind of whips out a big hip roll or whatever, and, and it, she just couldn't look bad, so it ended up just looking like stupid choreography. So he really had to cut it down. So if, if you want to roll it. Yeah. But. You dance? Me? No. Don't you know how this works? I want a drink in my hand. Dance around me, you make me look good. <laughs> okay, got it. Let's go make you look So weird. That's the same way I met my boyfriend. <laughs> um, uh, 
That so just happens every day. Um, that, that, please note, she's in that whole scene in the sand. I cannot believe that no one noticed that she was. She never took her shoes off, so she she did that whole thing with those like four inch wedge heels. <laughs> I looked at the director. I was like, seriously, dude. <laughs> now, she comes from a fairly religious background. How yeah. was her family about seeing some of those scenes? Uh, oh, listen, they, I mean, she had to do dirtier on So You Think You Can Dance. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of it. You know, this world is this world, you know, the dance world. It's, you see, you know, there's a lot of uh, controversy over the fact on shows like Dance Moms and, and those things where parents let their kids dress like cookers you know and yeah. do really suggestive stuff and it's not it's not my favorite thing i think it looks super weird and unnatural i mean not when you're this age but like when you're, you know but parents get five. used to it yeah parents <laughs> get used to it yeah it's like a cumulative effect yeah it's just part <laughs> of that whole pageantry thing yeah you know yeah um, and there's also a moment um, when he does this kind of this thing when he that's all for the 3D. Yes, I was going to ask you because in the in the third uh, step up, yes, there's the scene with the Slurpee where there's kind of the bits of the Slurpee that float out into the air. Is this yeah. something that you're constantly thinking of? How can we implement something that comes at we you did, within we did, a dance no, no, scene? No, no, no. We we did we approached it in a different way. Um, 3D technology has come a long way since we yeah. made 3D. Since so we made step three. And um, and uh, and now the cameras can be used in a much different way. So we're trying to create a more immersive experience as opposed to just throwing things at the camera all the time. Right. That that scene happens to. Ha it's so weird seeing it in two D now. I've never actually seen it in two D. There's so much stuff going on that you just can't see uh, seeing it in two D. Well, it's amazing to see it in 3D because you do realize that 3D is the dance is made for yeah. 3D. I mean, you really get to see these people move in ways that you wouldn't realize they were moving. Yeah, they're they're it it, it brings like I said, it brings you more inside of the dancing, you know, and the mm -hmm. layers and all of that, which is fun. Mm -hmm. I think I thought it was really well used in this one. And you were talking um, with me a little bit backstage about the flash mob element mm -hmm. of this. These, uh, these kids are kind of staging these dance performances as uh, flash mob performances that are protests for this guy who's developing uh, the waterfront. Um, were you watching a lot of flash mob performances online before you got well, into I was I was aware of this whole mob thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the, there's a TV show called, you know, Flash Mob, isn't it? Or Mobbed or something like that. And I mean, it's sort of, it's everywhere. And and my favorite ones were always the really funny ones, like the wedding Flash Mob and the ones... And, and the Where they dance down to, the aisle? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and those kinds of, those were, those were really fun and uh, kind of weird and inspiring. But like with my foundation, we, we uh, myself and Nigel Lithgow and Katie Holmes and Carrie and Ananaba put together a foundation where we go into communities and uh, we implement arts programs uh, through dance, et cetera, and we scholarship students, et cetera. But like when we, and Nigel Lithgow literally went to Congress and had them pass, and it's now an official national dance day. It exists, it is actually next Saturday. And I'm doing a flash mob with 5,000 people in the, in the music center in LA. So it's, I mean, it's all, again, weirdly real. Um, they're not quite as good as this, <laughs> everybody, but I just wanted to get away from the whole crew battling each other thing. Yeah. And so that really opened us up now because we now have a lot of beautiful contemporary and be ballet and contortion and, and uh, uh, salsa and all sorts of stuff now again.
Although you have had some experience with your crew battling another crew, I heard that Miley Cyrus and you yeah, threw down. Yeah, yeah, that John Chu, the director of Two and Three, <laughs> for, somehow got into this crazy online battle with Miley <laughs> many years ago, and and each installment of it, you can see it online. It's the Eminem is Miley's crew, Eminem crew, and the John Chu's crew is ACDC, and they sucked me into it. And I, they got me dancing in these online dance battles. And actually, one of them, I, the one where I, that I'm in, I threw a huge backflip, and this was not that long ago, and I have no business doing backflips anymore. <laughs> um, and I blew out my knee. And so I've never been able to do anything since then. That's my experience with it. But that was crew battling. That wasn't flash mobbing. That was crews. But um, and it was all Miley Cyrus's fault. It was, it's all Miley's fault. <laughs> yes, I I blame everything on her. No, it was before I knew her. And, and but she uh, won. She won because she she brought it actually into offline, and she made us battle on like the Teen Choice or something like that, or MTV Movie Awards, and she she made us battle on stage, and then she had the audience vote, and I was like, who's not going to vote for you? You're hosting, like you can rig this, <laughs> like. But then, and then in my head, I'm going like. I'm 800 years old. Why do I care? Because <laughs> it's important. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the, this, yeah, it's like Sudan or something. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, so in the, in the film, it's also a really good way to make the dancing so that it's not people just kind of busting out into a dance move in the middle of the street, but it's a way to bring it outdoors. It's a way to make it integral to the story. It's well, uh, there was going to be some more stuff outdoors but because of hurricane we shot this in hurricane season in Miami oh. so we lost almost half of every day oh wow so there's one the one with the that is on the posters a lot with the black hats and the black suits that was supposed to be outside but I think it's a good thing it's inside because everything was outside at a certain point so yeah. I was really happy that that, came, that worked out I thought really well that's actually one of my favorite numbers well the ending scene is phenomenal um let's watch a little bit of that and then this talk was about that where this was shot we actually because we, we put up the crates and the the it was again like 110 degrees and it didn't rain so the humidity uh, well i'm not kidding the humidity was something like 200 <laughs> percent and it, i was like I, I thought we were gonna die actually there were <laughs> extras were going down like flies. Ugh. They were we were just carting them, carting them out. There's just gurneys. <laughs> Sweep you know? them away. Yeah. The dancers <laughs> ended up being okay, but the extras were it was killed them. Too hot. Yeah, because well, I had to just stand there. Let's take a look. So not the best part of that number. <laughs> it gets way crazier. Um, but in the very beginning of that scene, I love the way that it opens up, um, that all of the dancers are coming in together and they have these the pipes. these pipes that they're drawing along the ground and they're sparking everywhere. And as soon as I thought that, I thought, that's the warriors. And then I read mm -hmm. in, the, in the notes that that was one of the inspirations for that scene. I mean, can you talk about that a little bit? I thought that was really great. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things is, you know, that in in the Step Up lexicon, we, you know, we we purposefully don't go like, like there's one line that I'm sorry, I'm now bagging on my own movie that makes me laugh though. So, so they, but there's like something like where Catherine wants to join their mob and he and the guy says, he's like, you can't come with us, it's dangerous. I'm like, it's dangerous. Like you're <laughs> dancing. What are you talking about? And, but you know, we need to have that amped up drama. So yeah. anytime that we can have imagery that helps support these notions, it helps. And so when they do come up and they all have their pipes, they actually do look scary. They do, yeah. And so, and but that's like suddenly the danger dissipates a little bit. <laughs> twirling, twirling. Yeah. There's nothing like changing, changing the world one pirouette at a time. <laughs> So one of the coolest things um, in that scene for me was they have these dancers that are hooked up to kind of bungee cords, bungee cords, and you're seeing them falling off the shipping yard docks um, and being pulled back that up. That was super scary. Yeah, that was super scary because that that sheet metal that they were on was really really hot and I, it just doesn't it sound awful like a horrible experience? But everybody was so happy, <laughs> you know. Everybody was so excited to do it. But they were yeah they're running up and down you know sheet so metal that it's like this and the camera is pointing straight up at them and they were going up and down this thing. So you're just having someone lie down there and watch this person be dropped yeah. toward them on the camera. Yeah, the cameras were just positioned down there and just we were just going like this the whole time. God, is there, please let this work. Is there pressure to kind of always step it up? Because there's, I think there's, um, movie there's plug. Uh, so to speak, yes. Yeah. <laughs> movie plug, movie plug. There's a, there's a mention in one of the movies where one of the characters says, you know, like we can't just put trampolines on the floor anymore. Like they kind of make fun of yeah. the previous movies and it seems like there's always a way that's like, okay, we already have them dancing on bungee cords. Like what's the next the movie whole, going to the do? The whole trick is uh, working with the choreographers and the directors that we do. You know, their enthusiasm and their boundless energy um, and they, their excitement to, to do new stuff. I mean, these are great places to experiment, you know, because I, I, again, once we took out the battling element, it's, it's sort of like the rules disappeared mm -hmm. because it was about, okay, what, what can we invent now? There's a beautiful scene in the museum yeah. uh, where the, the dancers are all like sculpture and paintings and they kind of come to life and they mob the museum very beautifully. It's, I, I, that scene's pretty amazing to me. I love that scene, and I thought while I was watching it that um, you did kind of a um, flash mob kind of thing to promote one of the other movies where you have them dancing in a gas station. Um, when? But yeah, to, to promote um, the streets, I think it was. Oh, really? But yeah, they had them dancing, and they really filmed it with a real guy in a, in oh. a like convenience store look, gas look at, station. Look at all the things that I don't know. <laughs> This is amazing. <laughs> I have no control over my life anymore. But I wondered if to promote this movie you did any flash mobbing. Oh, God, like they've like, been did, flash mobbing everywhere. Yeah. They've been running around the country doing everything. I mean, we did everything from actually, like, the last live show for Ellen. Um, we flash mobbed her show. Uh -huh. We, I think they just did, they flash mobbed the red carpet at the Teen Choice Awards last uh -huh. night. Um, Have you done it anywhere that no one suspected it was yeah, going oh, to happen? Yeah, all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that there was one in Toronto. There was one in... I mean, these kids are literally running... And what happens is that the leads go to these cities and they do it and then the choreographers are traveling with them and the choreographers put out 
feelers for local dancers who want to be part of it. And so they just come up with these mobs. Oh, wow. So that's all locals. They're not our cast other than the leads. So how do you do that? Do you put like the moves up on YouTube and they kind of learn it on their own? And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way that we do it for National Dance Day is there's yeah. two routines that are online that you can go to. And that's the way we do it for Saturday for the, those mobs. But I think what they I think they do something like that. Yeah, they mm -hmm. must. Mm -hmm. I, I can text and find out <laughs> if you'd like. I know people. But you, there are no plans for like an art Basel or something like that, or like an art museum. And uh... once the movie comes out, the models yeah. will go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Summit will not want to be buying a lot of plane tickets for people sure. to go run around the country mobbing still. Um, you are going to have another step up, is that? Yeah, they, they're, you know, these. I, I don't know if you guys know these movies just can't stop making money, um, especially internationally, weirdly. Like, they do okay huh. here, but internationally, they're huge. And so, you know, as long as they keep making money, they'll keep doing I keep, I make a joke because it's like, I, it's like we're like the dance version of the Saw franchise. But, you know, <laughs> you know they, they, if they, as long as they keep making money, they ain't going to stop making them. Okay, James Bond, much better. You're right, it's James Bond. Um, James Bond with a fan kick. <laughs> Um, no, I, that, that's what I, that, I mean, uh, believe me, I make jokes about it all the time. This fourth one, I was like, it's step up for justice. <laughs> you know, so I don't know what step up, step five. I said for step five, we should just, um, do swim up and it could be, um, you know, uh, synchronized, <laughs> synchronized swimming. swimming. But and then I said, but to put a spin on it, we'll do it in space. <laughs> so it's a swimming pool with marauding, synchronized swimmers in space. You're going to have trouble bringing that water together in space. I know, but the 3D <laughs> will be really good. Um, great. Well, uh, can I open it up to the audience and see if anybody else I answer any has questions? questions? Guys, Anything. just raise your hand, and I'll bring the microphone over to you. Over here? Oh, we're going to start over here on the end. Hi, Adam. Uh, Hello. I wanted to know if you could talk, talk about how you got started in directing, and if you had have advice for new filmmakers and kind of how they can get into filmmaking. Yeah, no one, I, I'm telling, no one's going to be able to emulate my story because I was literally, a, a, you know, I was dancing, I lied my way into my first choreography job, and then, I'm not this is going to sound horrible, but the two biggest film choreographers at the time, who are Lester uh, Wilson and Michael Peters, died in the same year, and literally I got all their work. And I suddenly was very new on the scene, and just s suddenly I got there and caught all of these jobs that were happening. So I made like 70 movies in eight years. And while that was happening, um, my sister, who is a producer, she had, uh, she had hired me to do um, She's All That. And um, she's five years younger than me, and she said, she goes, I think you should be a director. And I was like, really? And I was, getting, I was getting a little annoyed with certain directors who didn't, or weren't good at answering questions, um, of which there are a lot, because the number one thing you have to be able to do as a director is make a decision and stick with it. And um, so she gave me a script, and I read it, and I gave her some notes. And um, she said, I want you to meet with the studio. And while this was going on, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take that $40,000 that I was going to use as a down payment on a little house, and I'm going to make a short film while this is going on, just to see if I can do it at all. And I got 75 dancers to do it. I made a 20-minute movie that you can actually see online. Um, and it was like a dance, non-spoken version of uh, Cyrano de Bergerac, but all done with dancing um, and contemporary coffee culture. So uh, coffee house culture. 
So anyway, while that was going on, I went in and I met with the studio who had just rejected all of these people. It was an $8 million movie. It was a smaller movie at the time. And um, I g gave my thoughts to the head of the studio and they hired me in the room. They had met with 26 people and they didn't like any of them. And they hired me in the room and that movie ended up being The Wedding Planner, um, which was not $8 million anymore after Jennifer's album came out and Matthew <laughs> did things. Um, <laughs> and I just, I, I stuck with it is what I did is I, you know, I had worked on so many th things. I had so many movies, so many TV shows, so many music videos, um, that I was just, I actually only lived on set. So it was all I really knew. And then when I got that job, while I was in post on that job, I got offered a, a movie, uh, I got a walk to remember, which I said, no, um, it, it, I thought it was, the script was terrible. And I said no to it three times. And then I said, let me just read the book. If you're keep keeping coming after me, I don't even know why you want me, but whatever. I read the book and I realized they'd just gone too far away from what the book was about. They had actually taken out all of the religion in it. And I was like, you can't, that's like, ta that's like making a fish fishing movie in space. Um, <laughs> clearly I'm thematically drawn to space these days. I would um, watch that for the but, record. But anyway, so I decided to take that movie because I was like, you know what, this movie is so small. If I, in my second movie, if it fails, no one's gonna lose any money. Because back then there was an actual video and DVD market. So um, I thought, well, I green light this movie, so I'm gonna do that. So then during post of that, they offered me bringing down the house and blah, 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 blah. So I just kept going. I kept not saying no. I said yes to the first step up, well, and then I read the script, and I was horrified by how not good the script was, and I gave it to my sister, who is my producing partner, and I said, you have to just fix this. If this and then I didn't think that it was gonna really get made, but I wanted my best friend to understand what the whole process was like. So I really support anybody who I work with, I support them doing, this is such a long answer, I apologize, but <laughs> this is, I've now given you like my, this whole history, but this movie is, that's how it got made. We slipped a, a, an adjusted script to Disney and uh, where we had our deal at that time and they wanted to make it. And so they said yes and, and so that's how my best friend, who's Ann Fletcher, who went on to do 27 Dresses and the proposal, um, so that's how that career started. And John Chu, who did the second, that was his first movie and third was second, and now Scott Spear, who did this one, this is his first movie. So I, I you know, I, it's a lot about enthusiasm and staying with it. Like, I just never got out of it. So, you know, but that's all, that's all I can do. You can't do something if you're not in it. You know what I mean? You can't hope it's just gonna drop in your lap. You know, I'm still trying to make myself right, because I don't even know how I'm gonna do, uh, I, that has to be the, the next thing in my career, but I stare at blank paper or a computer, plug, um, I look at my Mac, and um, and I do I get a free one now? Um, and I um, I'm terrified because I just I'm like God. Was anybody gonna want to have care about what I have to say? So I don't know. Anyway, does that answer your question? I hope it does somewhat. I have a follow-up question. Oh, wow. you said you lied your way into your first job. What was the lie that you the told? The lie me? was I was not getting work because I was like this really, really, really skinny, awkward little Jewish kid. And they were hiring. Uh, it was dancing, and I, I had worked for Paul Abdul and Janet Jackson. I'd done little music video stuff with them in the at the Oscars, but I still wasn't. What was really happening then was um, uh, industrials. I was, I, and the industrial world, all they wanted was like great looking blondes and filled out, whatever. And I was not filled out. <laughs> and uh, I was in my friend's, my friend was a production manager at a music video company. And 
I was bitching to her about how I wasn't getting any work. And literally, I am not kidding, the doors open and a PA ran in and goes, does anybody know a choreographer? We just lost our choreographer. And I turned, I went, I'm a choreographer. <laughs> and they said, well, who have you worked with? And the lie was, I said, Janet Jackson, Paula Abdul, which was not a lie that I had danced for them, but it was a lie that I'd choreographed for them. <laughs> so um, they, they said, great, come with me. And I went in, and Julian Temple was the director uh -huh. and of the music video, and he at the time was the most prolific music video director uh, alive. Right. And yeah. um, and I, he just sort of said, on, he said, you've worked with them? I said, yes. And he said, great, this is the job, do it. I did it, and I never looked back. He started hiring me. He hired me for every single music video that he did wow. back then, back to back. I never really professionally danced again, except in what I put myself in. Yeah. We're going to go all the way in the middle in the front row. You're very tenacious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adam, I know you directed Bedtime Stories. What was your experience like, and what was Adam Sandler, Jonathan Price, and Carrie Russell like from your point of view? <laughs> okay. So that, that movie, the craziest thing happened during that movie, which is the third week of shooting, Adam broke his ankle um, playing basketball in his backyard. And I actually make a joke about it because he slipped on an acorn and so I make an acorn joke in the movie. So um, anyway. <laughs> Wait, um, in real life I, I he slipped on an acorn? Yeah, he slipped on an acorn <laughs> in his backyard. So what he, we didn't know if we were, it was like a disaster. We didn't know if we were gonna shut down or not, but, I, but the studio somehow did not want to shut down. So I had to create that whole movie of Adam standing up or sitting down into things and acting like he was gonna move, then I had to cut to somebody else, and then you'd cut back to him and he was across the room <laughs> and like turning around again. So he couldn't walk for, he could only, of that three and a half month shoot, he could only walk for three weeks of that. So that movie was super crazy to make, but I loved Carrie. Adam is still uh, a great friend. Um, uh, Carrie is spectacular. Jonathan Price was so cute. He was like, what am I doing in this movie? I'm like, I don't know, but you're a great actor, so please just be in it. <laughs> but I love them. Next question, all the way in the middle. Hi, Adam. Hi. Um, I know that you worked with a bunch of different choreographers in 3D, um, which is cool. Are there more than one, is there more than one choreographer for this movie? And what's it yeah. like working with multiple visions in one project? Well, that's, that's a good question. Um, we've been working with multiple choreographers since the second one. So two, three, and four have all had multiple cho choreographers um, with the uh, thread being that Jamal Sims is the leading choreographer of all of them. And he, in, you know, so they all come in with pitches because Anne Fletcher choreographed the first one, and she was directing it, which is, you know, what, what I did with Hairspray. It actually makes it very easy, because you're sort of, while you're choreographing, you're, you're thinking of how you're going to shoot it. So it sort of actually tightens up the process. Um, with these, because the rehearsal period is so short, one person couldn't do it all. So Jamal oversees all of it. Jamal did, actually, weirdly, both numbers that you saw, the, the opening and the closing. Um, there's a whole storyline that Catherine McCormick uh, is auditioning for a contemporary dance company, and Travis Wall did all of that stuff. Really weird that Mia Michaels plays the head of the company and that her work is actually all done by Travis. So it's a sort of, it caused interesting interplay <laughs> on set. Um, and then um, Chris 
Christopher Scott and Chuck Maldonado did the other stuff. But Chris Scott did the half dance. And I don't think, but Chris Scott was in two and three. He's the tapper. Um, but, you know, everybody all kind of looks to the center and no, and everybody kind of pitches, but it's really Jamal coordinating it all. And, and it, every, again, everybody's so excited to be a part of it that there's not any friction ever. It just all kind of works together in a really, really great way. And you know why? Because it all boils down to no number is more important than the story. You know, so the story has to accomplish, so the, the, everybody has to look to what their job is in vis-a-vis the story. Next question in the back row. Hi. Hi. Um, I was wondering how much time between Rock of Ages and this film was there? The, the, there was less than, well, I didn't, I didn't direct this one, but the, there was, on the last week of Rock of Ages, I lost half of my crew to do this one. So there was literally no break in between them. I had a weekend. I, I wrapped on a Friday, Rock of Ages, and this started production on a Monday. So there was literally no break. And my whole crew went on to this movie, or as much of it as this one could hold. We have time for one more question. It's right here in the second row. Hi. Uh, it seems like oh. most of your work has been for film and television. Do you have any plans or interest to do anything for Broadway or a resident show in Vegas like Jerry Mitchell's? I'd love it. Uh, uh, I, I dream of it. You know, it is definitely, I, I, think, I think it's a bit of a club here, and I think it's hard to break in. I would definitely, obviously, kill to do it. I just haven't carved out time. Um, I now have... Uh, after all of this time, I do have friends who have in good situations and places who would love me to do it. It's just a matter of me stopping what I'm doing and saying, I want to do this. I actually very much, uh, I just called Summit, and now we have to talk about rights, but af after they announced the Magic Mike show, I was like, we should be doing Step Up on Broadway. I talked to, um, uh, from based on the first story, because it's that easy Romeo and Juliet one, and it's set in the school mostly and all of that. So. Um, and I talked to Ryan Tedder, who is One Republic. Uh, yeah, Ryan, yeah, Ryan is One Republic. He produced half the Adele album, and, but he also wrote a bunch of the songs in the first one. Mm -hmm. And we became friends during that. And I said, would you be interested in writing the music for this? And he said, absolutely. So I'm starting, I'm starting little moves, but I was like, this wouldn't have been my first choice, but I, I was so inflamed by the Magic Mike announcement that I just, I, I was... Uh, but yet the answer is yes. The answer is I would love to. I would love, love, love to. Theater is where I come from. Theater is my first love. So it just happens to be that I ended up in the world that I'm in. You've got to get Channing to come back for that. <laughs> I think he's like a producer on it. I mean, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't even know if the guy's ever seen a Broadway show. No, but I mean, he should come <laughs> back for tough. the step up Broadway. Oh, <laughs> he'll be 70 by then. Are you kidding? <laughs> He's no, he, he, I love, yeah, I'll, I'll, if I can get him to the opening night, that'll be good. <laughs> I, I often and gently remind him that, you know, we kicked him off and we got him a wife, so he <laughs> owes us everything. He's thankful. Yes, he, he, I, I like continued, oh, all of them, the, the Zac Efron, the, you know, all, any, anybody who's like passed through my, through the doors, I gently remind them that I gave them all their start. <laughs> I, I want them to owe me for the rest of their lives. <laughs> 
Great. Well, we are also very thankful. Thank you so much for it's coming out here. Thank you so much. Thank you for questions. caring.